You're listening to LinkRod, a discussion about the intersection of life and technology. Episode four, I think we're up to. Um, I'm Tim Klepto. I'm Ben Atkinson. And Adam Webster. So, what I thought the theme of today was this kind of concept of what does digital technology hide? So, you may have heard the slogan, there is no cloud, it's just someone else's computer. And I think this illustrates a key idea about digital technology, that words can be used to hide what's actually going on, that... The technology hides and sweeps away, like sweeps reality under the carpet all the time and explains it away as being kind of too complicated and you wouldn't really understand. So something like the cloud is just a giant warehouse full of servers. It's not a fluffy thing. It's not an environmentally friendly thing. It's just a giant room that's chock full of computers. And, you know, we, we kind of read into that like you know it's all just explained away as the cloud and the cloud isn't it's, it's not even a thing it's like it's a bunch of technologies that live on a bunch of servers um and I, i'm kind of interested like this idea of we have these kind of technologies but technically they they're hiding stuff and i'm kind of curious about what what it is they're actually hiding so when we talk about what is the cloud hiding? I kind of think there's all the complexity of the technologies itself. It's not really simple. And it is technically you putting heaps of your data on someone else's computer. And what that does is create this kind of concept of surveillance where someone can look through all your stuff um, at their will. And technically what's happening is these businesses emerge to make money out of that surveillance. So... I think social media is probably the big bad evil one that I would kind of say. Something like Facebook where you put in a heap of your data and then Facebook uses that to make money. They use it to sell space to ad companies. They use it to connect you to other people to sell space to advertisers. Um, They track you. They scan all your photos and use facial recognition in all that stuff. It's pretty so scary. all of a sudden... Yeah, I'm going to delete my Facebook now. <laughs> so cloud is kind of like, it's almost like a facade. It's like, oh, we're all nice and friendly and we're connecting people. But really what we're doing is giving a shit ton of information to Facebook who then mine through that to make money. I think, um, was it this time last year they had the big, um, the cloud was hacked and everyone's... Oh yeah, titty shots were <laughs> yeah, I cloud were, were out yeah. there, and I, th- I think that for a lot of people, the fapping as they called it. Well, it was a reality for a lot of people that <laughs> it, um, it, you know, your data's accessible. It's not, it's not in a cloud. It's, it's not literally in a cloud. It's, it's available to hack if if someone wants it bad enough, and if someone wants your data bad enough, they'll get it. Don't, and that's you, why celebrities were targeted because people want that. They can yeah. sell it. They can sell that sort of mm. stuff. Um, so I think. In terms of, of the cloud being this mysterious thing that's in the sky, it's... It's a real a, place. Yeah, there's a reality behind it that it's a, a grubby warehouse that has some long-haired, ponytailed IT guy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maintaining the, the hub and whatnot. So... But I think it's kind of... It's, it, like the cloud's kind of interesting because it, before we had to invest in computers so that we do all this stuff ourselves. So we used to buy you know, terabyte hard drives and hook them up to our computers and we had to have backup programs and, you know, but now all that, all that stuff's been shifted off. Like, that's what iCloud does. Like, it automatically backs up your Mac, your iPhone, um, 
and, and Google has the same thing, Samsung has the same thing. So it's kind of liberating the sense of, oh, well, it's your actual device becomes like a toaster. Like there's no physical attachment to it because it doesn't actually contain anything. It's literally just a screen that accesses your cloud. Yep. And so all of a sudden, oh, well, you lose your Samsung phone or your iPhone, you just get a new one. You yeah, just plug it in and go sync. See, that part's comforting. It's like you can go and get another phone and then download all your data, but then... Uh, yeah, where's that stored on someone else's computer? Yeah, but does that? Uh, I suppose this is the thing. Like, wh- what does it hide doing that though? Because it hides the fact that so many of these phones are made in quite appalling conditions. Like, we don't think about that. There are actually people that put this stuff together. Yeah, I think I there was a pho- photo f- photography kind of uh, photographer. <laughs> there was a photography kind of series this guy did where he went to like there's a town in China which makes like 90% of Christmas decorations for the world. Wow. And so, you know, you kind of think, oh, tinsel and Christmas trees and little yeah, Santas and all that kind of stuff. Bad dungs from the... <laughs> well, yeah, like there's just like, it's it's an awful place to live. Like there's just these giant factories, but all that stuff gets made by hand. It's not like robots put it together, you know, push out Santa Claus and then come out and paint yeah. him up. It's like, no, 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 there's a guy who every day sits there and with a with a paintbrush puts the black dot in Santa's eye and does that for everything. That's a fulfilling job. Yeah. And like, you know, stuff like tinsel and like it's all just petrochemical stuff. Yeah. Crap. And you know, like we and, and we kind of just see it as cheap, disposable stuff when it's in the shop. It, you know, it's a selling thing that they make. Well, even the cheap junk shops, like, yeah, that, that's still got to be mass-produced. And yeah, and, and it's not mass-produced by robots. No. <laughs> it's mass-produced by really cheap labour yeah. and cheap humans, in effect. I suppose when we look at things like, um, this is off-topic, but you look at the, the, the models, the selling models a lot of companies are taking, like, yeah, not so much your big W, but, like, because they've actually stayed pretty honest. It's guys like Kmart who have completely changed their sales model. They used to stock decent brands. Yeah. If you walk into a Kmart now, if you walked into a Kmart five years ago and you walked into one now, you wouldn't recognise them. Most of the stock is made out of Bangladesh. It's made really cheap. It's made by cheap workers, and it's of poor quality. But aren't they kicking goals now at the moment? Because with their you pay homewares? nothing for it. They are for their homewares, but it's yeah. because you pay nothing for it, and they've they've almost done, there's a bit of buzz behind it because they've done some pretty creative online marketing and pretty yeah. creative Facebook. The presence. Facebook, yeah, yeah. They have a, a really good Twitter presence, um, so they're, they're doing some really good stuff on a technical level to, to, to show what they've got. But behind all that, you know, facade of, you know, this fanciness is the fact that there's 14-year-old kids, 13-year-old kids, 8-year-old kids making this stuff in a poor country. Well, it's not even allegedly. They, 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 they know it and they'd even say it. I mean, they wouldn't say that 14-year-olds or 13-year-olds are doing yeah. it, but they would openly admit that it's a, all their products from Bangladesh. I suppose the flip side of that is that when stuff goes wrong, we actually hear about it. So I think it was last year there was that massive building collapse in Bangladesh. Dish. Yeah. And all these brands got outed because they made clothes in that factory. And Kmart was one of them. And they had to, a whole bunch of these bands actually had to kind of deal with that as yeah. an issue. And I think Kmart was one that kind of said, look, we're going to sign up to some kind of ethical thing where we, we agree that this is the conditions for the factory, this is the wages where we want to pay the workers. So... I suppose previously it probably was the fact like you know like the, when Nike kind of came out 
and, like they got busted for for child labor. Yeah, like that was kind of that was dark ages in terms of technology. I now it's like to get mm. caught out. Yeah, well now we like know about it. Like the thing happened in Bangladesh literally the day later. Here's all the brands that yeah. got their stuff made out of it. Like that would have taken weeks, if months, if not years. Out. And it, and to be honest, it probably never would have come out. Yeah, because it's like it's 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 poor brown people that they don't make the news. They're not. They're not. But they're what did important. make the news was all these high fashion brands who get them stuff made out of the same factory as Kmart. And they, but so when you say poor quality, I'm kind of going, hey, it's on par with <laughs> a whole bunch of other brands. Well, yeah, look, in reality, it probably is. I'm sure Target do the same thing. I think they're all one company, are they? Kmart, Target. They used to be. I don't know if they still are. Probably owned by the same people. But there's, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a heap of them that, yeah. And there was a really um, upmarket American one. I can't remember which one it was. It's got a weird name that got caught up in it too, which yeah. and it's a very expensive brand. So you're like Abercrombie? Could have been Abercrombie and Finch. Is yeah. it in Finch? Yeah. Fitch. Fitch. I don't know, I'm not, not a fashion person. That's why we're doing a tech thing. I don't know why <laughs> we're talking about fashion. <laughs> Says the man in those sweet Nike sneakers right now. They are, and they're straight these are these are straight from China. That's where they're built. <laughs> um, yeah, so Yeah, so uh, I've put in like one of the kind of things tw- like it came across in my Twitter stream was a, a tweet from Claudia Kincaid and she kind of just posted that digital is a labour issue. It's also an environmental issue. We have to learn to think in new terms. And I suppose it was kind of, it was really pressing. Like I started to put together this topic and that literally came into my Twitter stream. But it is because when we think about what is digital doing, it's actually changing labour, like the way we work, what we do at work. Um, and it has effect on it and then it does we, I mean we've just been talking about the environmental issues but you know it, behind digital is you know all these little devices now that we have and how disposable, they, disposable they've become yeah um, but the the labour ones are kind of interesting ones. So this idea of the sharing economy coming out and companies like Airbnb and Uber kind of saying, oh, we're all about sharing. Um, hmm. My, I, I, I haven't never been a fan of Uber. Um, I don't kind of get it. Like, it's slightly more conven- convenient than a taxi company. And technically, I haven't had that many bad taxi rides. Hmm. Um, or maybe the one which... Um, was the the last uh, thing we did in Turkey before hopping on a plane and coming back to Australia the uh, taxi ride to the airport I honestly thought I was going to die about 15 times on that it was the fastest scariest he was a fish car ride I, but well he got us there on time <laughs> yeah. um, but you know like what Uber's actually doing like it's basically just booking a taxi via an app and it's it's disrupting the taxi industry but it's also kind of changing the way people work like the way that the taxi industry there is there because you know we want to have people that can drive cars properly we want to have people that have a background check because they're working in vulnerable times with vulnerable people you don't want them kind of sexually assaulting people at 3am because they're drunk like you don't want so you don't want someone with that criminal past doing it See, and you want to have, make sure that they're actually insured if there's an accident going on that you're actually covered in the car. But Uber basically, when they kind of launched, flaunted all the rules. So they kind of came out and said, well, we'll cover you if you have an accident and someone, something happens because you sure as hell your insurance company won't. So they kind of had to spend a heap of money basically subverting the rules to get their foot in the door 
But, you know, what, what they're changing, though, is, like, people where they got a... They were directly responsible for their income and the, the work that they did to... Oh, it's all... You just go where the app tells you now. And if you don't do what the app tells you, you lose star ratings, and technically you could lose your job. See, I have a problem with these sorts of things, and I'll tell you why. Well, I don't know if I'll tell you why, but I'm going to tell you what annoys me. It annoys me that these things... they Okay, the only reason why this thing is popular is because it sort of became cool. Like, it, it, it meant, you know, nothing nothing at all, you know, to... I don't know, how long? When did it launch? Two or three years ago? Yeah. It meant nothing back then. Now it's a name, and, and people are like, let's just do it because you can say it easily. It's, it's a, another... I don't know, it's just a... A quick fix for something, I suppose. I don't. I don't know, but I, I don't. I don't see it doing any different than a taxi driver does. No. Maybe you get different cars. Who cares? You're not stuck in a Ford Falcon or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't. And I'm not a huge big user of it. I, I, I know Adam is. Yeah, I love Uber. Yeah. What, what's what the it, taxi why? industry is like? <laughs> what's the difference? Yeah, I, it was just more efficient. Uh, they got us there quicker. It was cheaper. Uh, it was a much nicer experience all around than some of the crazy taxi rides I've had in big cities so that's my experience though I suppose on the other hand you can also say like what I was saying I get sick of these cool things sometimes people get complacent or, or industries get complacent yeah. and they definitely taxiing is definitely an industry that probably did get complacent it was like we're the only thing around yeah. so you'll pay what we tell you to pay yeah and look I, I totally I don't have a problem with that idea of um yeah, disrupting an industry that needed change to occur. I mean, like, the thing is, like, the taxi industry itself was exploiting drivers, you know, like the taxi licensing system that the states imposed. Yeah. Like, basically, it was kind of like a loan. It's really expensive. That, yeah, it? it was like, I don't I, I, I can't actually remember how, I don't actually know how much, but, you know, like, it's, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. to have a taxi license. So, basically, that's you going into debt in order to drive a car to, to make money. So, that... I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, but, I mean, the, the thing with Uber that really kind of freaked me out was this idea of the way, what it does to workers. So what, what happens is if you drive for Uber, you are not an employee of Uber. You're a contractor. And so, therefore, there's no paid leave. There's no sick leave. Um, holidays. There's no health insurance, which is a big thing in Would in you America. do it as a job, though? Yeah, is this just a part-time thing? Well, do you just do it like, you know, yeah. I'm not doing anything on the weekend. Just I can... to supplement your, your yeah. other job? That's the way I look at it. Yeah, it may well, not be. You might be at uni. And... Well, I think, I, mean, I think that the thing with uh, what Uber really kind of capitalised on was the GFC in America where heaps of people got made redundant and lost their jobs. And so there was a lot of people that needed work. Yeah. And Uber came along and said, hey, you could just use your car and drive people around and make money. And so it did become a job for a lot of people yeah they picked up and they could pay them not that much it's just because it was better than nothing like they don't have like a welfare system in, in the states yeah um, there is no safety net do, they, do they just people. get pa- how do they get paid is it just you get paid by Uber like they they into your bank just, account or it goes to your iTunes or your whatever well yeah I think it would be <laughs> PayPal yeah I mean there'd be some transferred into a bank account at some point but the thing is like you don't even get like that's yours now you're responsible for that money so you're responsible for paying tax on that money yeah, Uber okay. doesn't pay tax you pay tax um, they kind of put themselves in does that mean they pay no money. super no no super is that even legal well, I think this is my thing. It's like even I, as a casual, you get paid super. But this is this is what like this is. I suppose this is what gets hidden. You don't 
like Uber doesn't explain its business model. That's not front and center. It never explains itself. You actually have to dig around quite a lot. You've got to read through terms of service documents. Some people even have to go through signing up and becoming an Uber driver in order to actually understand what happens and how all this stuff works. And so it's kind of taken people to like investigating uh, Uber and how all this stuff works for anyone to know this stuff because they hide it. I suppose this is, yeah, this is the theme, is that they actually physically go around and make it, oh, it's all about convenience. It's just an app. Yeah. But then... This is the same with Facebook, though. Like, you try and contact someone at Facebook via phone, and yeah, it's all hidden. Like, Do they even have a phone number? Yeah, no, they don't. It's like a company that's built on communication. Yeah. <laughs> you can't talk yeah, to Yeah, we're connecting the world, yeah, but you can't call can, us. can't connect us. So there's this convenience of, say, the Facebook or the Uber app, but it's the shadiness of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the the kind of work that they're promoting is crappy work. Like, I I, I suppose I'm lucky that I've been in full-time employment for a long time, and I, and I kind of really kind of understand the struggles that some of my friends have been through who haven't been able to secure, like, a permanent full-time position because you kind of left out of a lot of society. Like, you can't get loans. So you, for, for a lot of people, you can't get a car, you can't get a house, um, you're perpetually renting. Yeah. Um, and that's what most jobs are now. There's a decline in actual permanent employment. Yep. And I think digital is... Like, the, the what is it, the gig economy? Like, that's the other thing. It's like... The gig economy? Well, the, like, it's kind of like Uber. Uber is a gig. Yeah. Like, it's not your full-time job. It's just you do oh, a bit gig. of gig. Oh, gig, okay. Yeah. And then you might Sorry. do some task rabbit like yeah. jobs. <laughs> and then yeah. jump onto Amazon's me- Mechanical Turk. Yeah. And you pick up gigs. Yeah. And, and even like... The, and so it's forcing people to f- freelance and do all this stuff. But it's also meaning that no one's paying super. No one's paying into pension funds. No one's paying into health funds. They can't simply can't afford it and people are probably not paying tax either in a fair and equitable way um and I think that's that's the hidden part of what's going on with labour when it comes yeah. to these digital things, particularly like things like Mechanical Turk, where they pay you like these tiny amounts to do these really repetitive tasks. Like, um, but in the third world, a, a couple of dollars American goes a long way. So all of a sudden, oh, it's it's a great thing. You know, these people can earn money, and that's how they sell these services. As it's a great thing, people are lifting themselves out of poverty, but. They're not really explaining that, you know, we're, we're the ones benefiting it from. Like, we're not paying someone an actual living wage in the country where we live now because we're outsourcing it off to some third world country. And these guys are just sitting there doing really crap stuff all day to earn a couple of bucks. Yeah. Or doing high quality graphic design or other work. Well, that, and that's the thing. Like, you know, India is a really interesting example. They've got like this like, massively well educated society. Um, but labor is still ridiculously cheap. And so that's why you can get like a room full of Indian programmers to build your app um, for, for, for literally like hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Whereas it would cost you thousands of dollars to do the same thing here. I think on when I worked at a, another establishment, they, um, they outsourced to India. And I think it was, I can't remember, I think it was around about $16,000 a year for one worker. 
That's mm-hmm. for the whole year. That's everything. That includes, obviously, they don't pay super. They just pay $16,000, and that's their one man. Well, and it's probably $16,000 to a company. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so not to the take, guy. They take yeah, that's, 30% no. off. Yeah. That's not to the they... guy. That's to the company. Yeah, yeah. And then, that, then the company can disperse it as they see fit, I suppose. So he may be making... Ten grand a year, and he's or maybe even less, six grand a year, and he's a obviously very good at what he does. Yeah, I think, and I think this is, you know, it's a new, it's a newish thing. I mean, like globalization in general, it's not just digital. Like, I think digital works really hard to kind of hide this stuff and, and confuse people and go, oh, it's just the cloud. Yeah, you don't need to know it. It's it's too it's too difficult to explain all the intricacies. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> because, but, you know, but like that, that idea of it's just someone else's computer, like I think it just cuts through all the bullshit and actually yeah. goes to something that's closer to reality. Um, so you could explain the cloud in really simple yeah. terms, but they've chosen not to because they can obfuscate a- around those issues. In one of the, the scenes in a show we watched, Silicon Valley, I don't know if you watch yeah. it, they showed, remember that there was they were looking at I was looking at areas or something, and they showed a big, massive factory that was just a, a server factory. Oh, yeah, rows and rows, and the, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was just like this you know, horrible sort of environment. And the yeah. one guy in control. Yeah, of the yeah. So the, I mean, so one of the big things about those kind of server farms is just literally how much power they suck up, like you've got hundreds and hundreds of computers there. So, you know, when they talk about the cloud, it's it's not really, um, it's not that efficient. Like we keep looking at our phones, oh, they don't use, like there's a tiny little battery, so they don't actually use that much. But then you've actually then got to compare it to, okay, but where's, what's what's doing all the computing? Yeah. And it's, these, it's the cloud. And so it's these gigantic server farms that suck up like, ridiculous amounts of money like there was a really interesting article i read where you know talking about how unsustainable bitcoin is because it takes a single bitcoin transaction uses roughly enough electricity to power 1.57 american households for a day oh wow in because it's you know it's crypto stuff it's actually got to do all these difficult maths equations to encode it and make it thing but all of a sudden you go okay well that means it's not invite like that's that's not viable you can't worth it is it still going or is it done um, I don't know, to be honest. I think it's still going. It's still going? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the same thing, I think that there was a stat that came out that Netflix, streaming Netflix, um, I think it's like a couple of hours a week, is the equivalent of running two fridges um, for a year. Um, so you use, you use, over a year, you use the same amount of power watching Netflix that would power to refrigerators. So we look at, oh, it's my computer battery, and that's yeah. all it takes, and, and my modem. And yeah. my like, you know, your home electricity yeah. bill is going down, but um, the server farms juicing up and sucking up like a suburb's worth of, of power. So, so do we, do, do the, is there any, is, do we look at renewable energy? Do we, do we base them in wind farms and, and you know, solar? And I saw that they had solar panels that were clear, see-through. Yeah. Look, I think that's... I mean, it's in their interests to look at that stuff because it costs them less money. 100%. They can, um, they'd increase their profits. And I even saw the idea of actually shifting from AC power to DC power. Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, so alternating current is what we use... Like that's what goes on along the wires. Mm. It's kind of this alternating current, and but when it gets to an appliance, then it gets converted into DC current, like direct current. And the reason for that is that DC current can't travel. 
distances. So when when Thomas Edison and Nicholas Nikolai Tesla, when they were kind of doing stuff together, basically um, Edison's kind of model was that you would have to have like a power plant power plant on every block because DC doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Whereas Tesla's kind of AC current was, well, well, you can put these things next to a waterfall way away from the city and then I you have this big wire and it brings it all in. Yeah. But it's it's you can't power things by alternating current. It has to get converted to DC. And so when you convert it, you're losing power out of that kind of transaction. And it's just wasted. Yeah. So every so having a server farm where everything's running on alternating current means that there's a massive amount of waste. So yeah. what they're kind of doing is almost like saying, well, you plug in AC power at the wall and then that then there's like one kind of converter that does the whole building to DC and everything runs off DC in here because Okay. We don't need alternating current everywhere. So yeah. that's one way. And then, yeah, renewables is definitely a, a, a way forward. Um, but I suppose, again, it's just that what are they hiding? They're hiding these massive consumption of... There's also the R&D that has to go into it to, to make an educated decision on what's the best way of doing it. Yeah. And it's probably like... It's one of those things like you you got an assignment, you really can't be bothered to start it. Once you start it, it'll be fine. But getting there, just getting to that stage of starting it is, a, is an issue. And it's probably the same thing. They just yeah. can't be bothered to start because they're making money this way and they're still making plenty of profits. It's only when... Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's when like something like a carbon tax becomes effective because it forces them to change the way they do things. No, but we hit tax and people run for the hills <laughs> Yeah, because they're that's stupid. The but that's the thing. Like, we don't pay... Like, this is the kind of ridiculous thing. We don't pay that much out of... Like, we wouldn't be paying that much. Like, our mm. bills go up incrementally. Was it like 80 but if you're, if, like, This is the thing. How many people in Australia are using Netflix? Well, they're powering two fridges a year. Yeah. So times that, that's what Netflix is, pay- is paying. Like, their electricity bill is way, way, way above what ours would be. Um, but they, they, that would all then be pushed back onto the consumer. Um, in some ways. I can't but, imagine they'd be like, yeah, we'll wear all this extra electricity. I mean, I don't, I don't know what Netflix costs now because it comes out automatically. Um, I, can't, I don't, couldn't even tell 10 you. Ten bucks a month. Is it still the same? Yeah. Has it gone up ever? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure they'd tell me if it did. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll say no. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think it'd be in everyone's best interest. So we've uh, the other thing I, like I've put on here is that we've mentioned VR a couple of times in passing, and I suppose this is kind of interesting. Um, again, another tweet uh, from Mike Caulfield, but he's started to kind of having a bit of kind of debate um, with Audrey Waters about things, and he said, "I'm starting to see VR as a technology of deletion rather than augmentation." And I suppose what Mike was kind of getting at this was that these are built and created environments. Like VR is not reality. And so all of a sudden you can just delete stuff and people and not have to deal with it. So when someone goes, oh, we made this, you know, great, fantastic replica of San Francisco in in VR and you can go and explore the world, they don't put the bums in there. They don't put that. poor people. <laughs> they don't put broken windows or glass or the you know the smell of piss and dog shit. Yeah. Like you know that's you know this is what San Francisco's like. <laughs> but you know like this is the thing. Like, uh, I suppose it's an again another kind of argument I've got against VR is that this isn't reality. Like it's it's not replicating reality in any way shape or form. No. And it, it, again, you who's creating VR? It's these rich white guys in Silicon Valley who think that that's what San Francisco looks like. It's all sleek and modern, and because they don't see anyone, they hop on their little, you know, 
completely customized uh, Wi-Fi enabled luxury bus that ships them out to, to Google headquarters. Does that really or, happen? Yeah. I just figured that was in the There's no shows. public transport. These guys don't use public transport. They, the companies have like private bus services. Why? Because they don't want to travel on public transport. God forbid. That's awful. You would have to sit Rub shoulders with someone like real people. Smell, oh, you know. God. <laughs> I suppose I don't ever go on public transport either. Um... And I suppose that's the kind of thing, like, you know, one of the kind of things I've got is the idea, like, the idea of freedom of speech to me is kind of an interesting one, but I suppose it's it's when we start talking about the cost of freedom of speech, because when someone gets freedom of speech and it's unabetted, it also means that someone's probably kept silent. Yeah. I think that's the bit that worries me and concerns me is who gets silent and what are they actually saying? So, you know, it's, it's all great that Andrew Bolt loves to kind of push for more and greater freedom of speech so he can go around insulting people. But I mean, this, I is a, say, this is a guy who has a radio show, a TV show, um, a weekly column. He's got plenty of... He's a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I'll say about that. But he's got, you know, he's got all the platforms in the world. So when he's fighting for the right to insult people, which is basically what he gets paid to do for a living, you know, it's keeping a bunch of people silent who don't have any of that those faculties. They don't have a weekly TV show or a newspaper column. He's just a liberal wanker. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Yeah... Yeah. And so I'm kind of like I'm worried about the, the the virtual reality going into the future. Like, it's not going to be. It's not really going to reflect reality. I don't, no, I don't think it will either. It'll, it'll always, at best, it's going to be, you know, mimic a bit of reality for gaming and stuff like that. I, I, I don't ever see it ever being a major thing. I, I think in education it could be really good for simulations. I think that'd be good. But a simulation is a lot different to a reality. A simulation is not real, we're trying to make it seem like it is real, which is completely different to what they're trying to pose. But one of the, I suppose one of the, the points they keep pushing is this idea of it's like an empathy engine, that you'll be able to, you know, hop into someone else's shoes and feel their thing. And it's like, well... Not really. Not if it's a white guy who went to one of the, you know, prestigious universities and comes from the middle class. Like, his reality and what he codes into an yeah. environment is definitely not going to reflect the reality of a poor black kid. Um, you know, you just got to you got to avoid. Like, who's going to program? Like, you know, if it's if it's coming down to selling this, who's going to buy? Come and be, come and be a poor black kid in a flavella in Rio. Um, experience the smell, the sight, and the sounds. You know, the hunger pains, the of, fear of being <laughs> stabbed behind a. But are you are you building though for your market though? Like, they're not marketing to the the poor black kid in the. Well, I don't know. The guy from Oculus Rift is basically saying that we have to accept the the reality that only certain people are going to be privileged enough to experience the real world. Yeah. And so what we're going to do with VR is allow poor people to experience what rich people get to do. Can poor people afford to use VR? Well, I mean, it's the same price as as a Samsung smartphone. Can poor people afford Samsung smartphones? Well, they're out there. <laughs> but I suppose this is the thing. It's like you, they're kind of coding in privilege yeah. that you can't actually experience real life. We're just going to build it for you. Yeah. And, and it's our version of reality. It's not going to reflect anything like what reality really is because we don't have any experience in real world. We haven't been to those places. No, we just live in air-conditioned apartments. And well, I'm kind of privileged. And... I think we're all privileged white, though, aren't we? <laughs> 
I think it's I think it's important though to kind of recognise that this is like we are we do have a privilege like this is like Australia is a peaceful yeah. diverse country that doesn't it's not racked by war I guess it's the thing like, I always whenever there's the whole refugee thing it's like if that happened here I would be the refugee because I would be the first guy to go fuck that I'm, I'm getting out of here yeah and I would use whatever means it was to get out. Boat, train. And it's plane. like, well, yeah, if you can afford a plane ticket to somewhere, it's like, literally, where, where is the plane going? Anywhere. I will take a plane to any country. Just here's the ticket. Here's my money. Give me a ticket. Put me on something. Right. And then I would claim asylum there. Like that, I don't understand why anyone thinks differently. Like why there's this kind of weird perception about refugees. Because they, they because guys like. This is completely off topic as well. Guys like Tony Abbott <laughs> harp on about how good they are at stopping the boats, and that was that was almost his entire election campaign was stopping boats. I'm like, what? So your claim to you know what you're going to do is is to stop helping people. You yeah. want to stop helping people? Yeah. I don't understand that. I don't understand why well, it's not even. It's not just shitter. that. It's not. Oh, we're not going to help people, and then the people that probably need the help most because they ran away from like the most horrific things that are going on in the planet we're going to lock them up in, in a jail. prison <laughs> and for, for indefinitely basically so they, it wasn't they... just that bad bit of like, hey let's not help people it's like let's punish people that are like traumatised and damaged individuals because they lived through some really horrific shit and they act like we've got no room oh there's just no room in Australia Half the country's got nothing in it. Probably more than that. Yeah, but you've got to build infrastructure though somewhere to put them yeah. there. You can't just it's, like, there you go, get yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah, but, but the, the whole... The, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. The whole of, of, you know, your cities are expanding like that. Like, as in out from... They're obviously all coastal, so they're expanding upwards and outwards. So they, regardless, there's, you look at the gap between Melbourne and the next... I'm not saying you put them in the middle of Northern Territory. Yeah. Hope for the best. <laughs> we'll build but, a tent city out here yeah. and off but, you go. you know, things like between, I don't know, the outskirts of Melbourne, like Craigieburn and stuff, out to... You have whole regional communities that have been losing people for, you know, 100 years. Like, there's property there, there's buildings there, there's, there it's all kind of there if we wanted to take advantage. Well, we, we've got... It's not like Wagga's crowded with people. No. It's not like towns like like June and Tamora, Lockhart, all those kind of, They have plenty of room. And there's infrastructure there. Yeah. But there's that fear factor. And we're naturally full of fear because it's something we don't know. I probably agree with that. But that's off topic. <laughs> Completely off tech.